Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I am Eric Erlinson from Lightning Insider com your host follow me on twitter that's at eric underscore erlinson that's e-r-i-k underscore e-r-l-e-n-d-s-s-o and make sure you check out my website lightninginsider.com for all your latest inside information analysis and everything else that's going on with the tampa bay lightning but i do want to touch on a few things here after the game three victory tampa bay did win game three against columbus by a score of three to two they now have a 2-1 to series lead against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, game four will be on Monday. That'll be at 3 o'clock, back to a 3 o'clock start for game four on Monday. Uh, game five will be Wednesday. The time is yet to be determined. It'll depend on what's going on with some of the other series and where they're at uh, as we get a little bit into next week. So a couple things I want to touch on to kind of give you guys a, a breakdown of kind of what we saw uh, in this game. And as remember, as always, if you have questions that you want me to answer here on the podcast, if you find me on Twitter, use the hashtag AskEE, uh, or you can email me. It's eric at lightninginsider.com. It's, again, it's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com. Now, this is where we have to talk about roller coasters. Roller coasters happen in playoffs. They are emotional. It's emotional for everybody, including the fans. And when a team loses a game, results are what matters the most in the playoffs. You are judged solely by wins and losses. But you also have to keep things in perspective and kind of keep things on an even keel when we're talking about how did they perform and how did they get to that loss. Because a lot of people tell me after the game two loss that. The sky was falling, that the Lightning didn't play very well, and that they weren't going to be able to kind of rebound in this series and how everything had just went bad. And I will sit here and I will tell you that, yeah, they lost the game. They lost the game 3-1. to one. They got the lead. They gave up two in the first period. They fell behind, could never catch up. And um, that is all true. That's all true. They did lose the game. Uh, it wasn't pretty the final 10 minutes of the first period where the the lead got away from them. They couldn't find that tying goal, even though they had some opportunities. But I'll tell you this. Look at the way the overall... I know you can't take away those 10 minutes, but if you sort of analyze the rest of the game and see everything that Tampa Bay did well, it was sort of a continuation in some ways to tonight's game. You know, because if... I mean, let's look at these numbers. 
These numbers will astound you and they will stagger you and we'll kind of dig a little bit deeper into them. But the shot attempts, and those of you who are not familiar with shot attempts, this is a stat that combines shots on goal with missed shots and shots that are blocked. So they are attempted shots at net. The Lightning tonight were 74 shots for, shot attempts for compared to 34 again for Columbus. And Columbus got a lot of those on their power play opportunities in the first period. They had five of those, so five on five. At five on five play, this is even strength. This doesn't count six on five. So this is five on five play. The shot attempts were 66 to 23. 66 to 23. That is complete and total domination in puck possession. Now, it kind of makes you a little worried because it was still a one goal game at the end, right? You get the goal to open the scoring, and then Columbus comes back and finds a way to tie it because. Eric Chernak bobbles a puck at the point, the right point. He can't quite recover, and the Lightning aren't fast enough to recognize the situation and and get back to cover the odd man rush. And Riley Nash fires a shot off from the left circle that beats Andre Vasilevsky to the far post. So you're thinking, oh boy, what are they going to do? From then on, though, from then on, they completely had the game in control. The puck was down in Columbus's end a lot. They did not allow Columbus to get their cycle game going. They did not allow Columbus to wear them down. Instead, the puck was so much on the Blue Jackets' end that it was lightning that wore down the Columbus Blue Jackets. And some of John Tortorella's post-game comments were exactly that. Basically, he felt that his team hit a wall. And if you think of the amount of hockey that the Columbus Blue Jackets have played in the last week or so, You go through a five-game series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That lasts seven days. I think it was seven days. I think they were the second. They started on the second day. So their series went a total of eight days. So five games in eight days. Two of those go to overtime. And it's an emotional because they had a 3-0 comeback win. Two games later, they they blew a 3-0 lead in the final four minutes and lost to Toronto in overtime. Have to come back and, and win on Sunday. you got to turn around and play a afternoon game less than 48 hours later. That game goes to five overtimes. You know, and they come back and they were able to win game two, but it just you, you feel that at some point that's going to catch up with Columbus, and maybe it did tonight. I expect them to be a much different team by the time we get to game three on Monday. There's no doubt about it. They're still a hardworking team. Um, but if you look at the way that the Lightning are taking advantage of that, yeah, you would you want to see some more offense come out of all this puck possession. Heck, I think right now they would take some more power play chances or opportunities to come out of all this puck possession. It's it's kind of rare in the NHL that a team has the puck this much as Tampa Bay has had really in this series. I mean, go back to the, that overtime Game one, it goes five overtimes. The shot attempts were 187 to 111. And that's a trend that has continued. Even in game two, it was a trend that Lightning were around 60% in terms of puck possession uh, in that game. They were at 68% in this game, 74% at five on five. But it's, it, it is rare that a team has the puck as much as Tampa Bay has had it in this series, and you don't have as many power play opportunities, but that's a conversation for something else. They are able to keep Columbus in their own end and not put themselves under pressure, not put Andre Vasilevsky under pressure. And you're never going to play a clean game. It doesn't exist at the NHL level. You can play like the Lightning did 
for strong stretches and long spurts where you're playing as well as you can play. And I think tonight they did that. And I think the one stat that tells me how well they were doing with their puck, um, uh, protecting the puck, they only had five giveaways. And this is a team that can be guilty of turning the puck over. And two of those belong to Nikita Kucherov. So they only had, they were only registered with five giveaways. And Columbus had eight takeaways. You compare that the other side, Columbus had 18 giveaways, and the Lightning had five takeaways. That's, if, if you want to count turnovers, that's not the end-all, do-all stat of that. But that's 23 that the Blue Jackets gave away and 13 that the Lightning gave away. That's protecting the puck. That's doing what you have to do to not put yourself in a situation. So now, we mentioned there's a couple of them. The, the Columbus goal comes off of a, a misplay, and it leads to an odd man rush. After Braden Point scored to make it 2-1, to one, Alexander Texier had a 2-on-1 opportunity, and I can't remember exactly how that one developed, but he has a 2-on-1 opportunity where he has a chance off the left circle, the same place that Riley Nash had scored off of earlier in the game, and he puts it, uh, Andre Vasilevsky is able to get a pat on it and push the puck off to the corner. So you're going to have moments like that in a game, but they were few and far between in this one, and I feel comfortable in saying that if this sort of puck possession domination continues in favor of Tampa Bay, they will have a good chance, an excellent chance, of advancing out of the series and getting to the second round. Now they have to continue to do that. We saw what happened in Game 2 where they lost their focus for 10 minutes, ended up being the difference in the game. They didn't really lose their focus tonight. Obviously, the penalty kill in the first period. You want to talk about moments in games and, and momentum shifts in games. That was a huge one in this game. Pat Maroon gets a, a penalty on his opening shift. It's a minute and a half into the game, and the Lightning have to kill off a penalty. And then a few minutes later, you have Zach Bogosian taking a tripping call in the, uh, in the defensive zone. And then 26 seconds into the penalty kill, Blake Coleman gets called for slashing. They're penalties. I'm not disputing the penalties. So that's not the conversation we're going to have here. But minute 26, so it's 34 seconds into the Bogosian call that Coleman got the penalty. A minute 26 of five on three early in the game. Those are just huge moments to where if a team is going to be able to kill that off, then they're going to get momentum from it. If the team with the man advantage is going to score, well, that changes the complexion of the game. And that doesn't mean Tampa Bay could not have come back if they had given up a goal in that situation. But they kill it off. They catch a break because Emil Brenstrom puts a puck on the outside post. Uh, He was set up perfectly at that left circle. Uh, Just missed the shot. Pulled it a little bit. So if he scores there, maybe it's a different game. But they don't. The Lightning survive it, and then they took off. I think another huge, huge moment in this game was the Victor Hedman goal because Tampa Bay's up 2-1. Remember, Texier had that opportunity on an odd man rush that potentially could have put uh, Tampa Bay, you know, could have tied the game for Columbus. But with a minute seven to go, and this is great recognition by Carter Verhage. We'll get into Verhage in a second. To recognize that Victor Hedman is coming down the slot, it's a, th- it's a basically it's a three on three. But Carter Verhage is wide. You have Cedric Paquette and Patrick Maroon who take both of their 
defenders with them. So Cedric Paquette gives Verhage the pass, and then he makes a net drive. Well, I think it was Oliver Bjorkstrand has to go with Cedric Paquette. All of a sudden now, this middle area of the ice, which has been so clogged by Columbus for most of this series, opens up. And like Moses coming down the middle, Victor Hedman skates right into it, and he's able to shoot a, a puck that basically went through uh, Jonas Corposalo. That's So there's a minute seven left, and all of a sudden now, instead of it's a one-goal game, you've got the insurance marker late in the period that you take into the locker room with you, and it's huge. Obviously, it stands as a game-winning goal, but Columbus gets a break less than two minutes into the third period because a uh, a shot from Riley Nash was blocked. Andre Vasilevsky couldn't recognize it, couldn't find where it was, couldn't see it. Ends up right on the stick of Eric Robinson, who's able to hit the open net. All of a sudden, it's a one-goal game. But here is, if you want to call it a sign of maturity, uh, a team growing and understanding what they, they have to do, then tonight is a perfect example of that because they didn't freeze. Right, You, you, you lose your two-goal cushion less than two minutes into the third period, and it's it's easy to freeze. It's easy to go, oh boy, here we go again. What do we have to do? How are we going to protect this lead? Rather than questioning themselves, they had confidence in themselves. They were able to pull their, their game together. They're able to go out and completely dictate the play in the third period because the Blue Jackets only had three shots in the third period, and one of them was the goal. So they only had two shots the rest of the period in a one-goal game where they're pushing to get a tie. And the Lightning said, uh-uh-uh, that's not going to happen. Because we'll go back to those shot attempt numbers. In the third period, it was 22-6 to six in favor of Tampa Bay. Not as dominant as the second period. It was 37-7, to seven, but it was 22-6 to six in the third period. That's just shot attempts, mind you. Right, so that's only shot attempts. That doesn't count. That's not shots on goal. That's shot attempts. You only had three shots the entire period. So for the final two periods, the shot attempts again going to puck possession, fifty nine to thirteen, in the final two periods. That's suffocating. That is giving the opponent zero life whatsoever. That's giving them no opportunities whatsoever to pull themselves back into the game. And I don't know, uh, you know, who anybody listening to this kind of follows along with with the advanced stats and and everything. But you know, there's there's these flowcharts, flowcharts that come up in games, and they kind of give you an idea of where momentum is going. And you can see it from the moment Tampa Bay scores the goal, or from when Columbus scored the goal to tie the game. Basically, the shot attempts in favor of Tampa Bay they fall off a cliff in favor of the lightning. So if you want to call it climbing a hill, depending on which way you're looking at the chart. But it's complete, complete domination for the rest of the game. The rest of the game. Even Columbus had the the little push to open the third period. They get the goal to pull themselves back into one. Down it went. Down it went in Tampa Bay's favor. The latest news and insight with the lightning is found here on the Lightning Insider Podcast. Here again is Eric Erlinson. All right, Carter Verhage. I know I had uh, a lot of people asking about this. That was the one lineup change that Tampa Bay made in this game. They pulled out Mitchell Stevens. 
They brought in Carter Verhage and you know Mitchell Stevens going back to game one, and this is this is the tough life sometimes, especially for a rookie. It was his mistake that cost him the power play goal at the end of the first period that put Columbus ahead two to one. He lost the faceoff, and that that happens. You know, you're going to lose a faceoff, especially against Pierre Luc Dubois, who's pretty good in the circle. So he loses that, and then he he misses coverage. And John Cooper didn't name Mitchell Stevens post game, but he did specifically say it was blown coverage. So you take out a Mitchell Stevens from the fourth line, you insert a Carter Verhage, and Verhage is a different type of player. Mitchell Stevens is a really good defensive player. He's got really good speed. He can really get in on the forecheck. He, you know, he can play center. He, he can bring a spark. Carter Verhage is a little bit more of a, he's obviously got the offensive upside. He led the American Hockey League in scoring uh, last season. This was his rookie year at the NHL. And I'll say this about Carter Verhage. The one area that the the team had been wanting him to improve upon since they acquired him from the Islanders in the trade that sent Christos Gudlevskis to the Islanders a couple years ago was his skating. Improve on your skating. Get better on your skating. And he worked at it. That's what earned him an opportunity to come to training camp this year and win a spot. But I can tell you this, watching him at this summer reboot camp that they had, he he put the work in. It's very noticeable how much better he is skating now than during the season. And he was in and out of the lineup. But he looks fast, and he has offensive skills that Mitchell Stevens does not have, and that was on full display on that goal that Victor Hedman scored because he could recognize the open area of the ice and saw Victor Hedman jump in front of Nick Felino to grab that space and take advantage of it. So that's a difference that a Carter Verhage can make. Um, you know, when players get these opportunities, they want to take advantage of them and keep themselves in the lineup. I think it's fair to say that looking ahead to game four, that Carter Verhage did enough in this game, even though he only played eight minutes, to warrant another look in this game. Because what's the one thing we've kind of talked about that the Lightning had not been able to do in the first two games of the series, and that was consistently maybe be an offensive threat. Yeah, they had the puck a lot, but Columbus was blocking a ton of shots, and they blocked 24 more tonight. But Carter Verhage can maybe give you a different look offensively. He can create maybe a little bit better than a Mitchell Steven has, and it paid off tonight. He ends up with only 8 minutes and 42 seconds of, of uh, ice time. So that's a, a huge moment in the game. Uh, a couple of other things that we noticed that the Lightning did differently. They changed their power plays. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Tyler Johnson was moved to the second power play unit. Andre Palat was bumped up to the first unit. Uh, so the first unit, you had Mikhail Sergachev with Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Alex Kalorn, and now Andre Palat was kind of manning that left circle. Left-handed shot over there. You don't normally see a left-handed shot over there. Um, we're used to the righties, and that's why they had tried Johnson. They had actually tried Braden Point over there. Uh, but it wasn't kind of being the, the dangerous power play that they wanted, so they tried Palat there. The second unit actually kind of helped give them a little bit of a boost uh, in the second period, the only power play opportunity they had in this game. Uh, the the second unit had Victor Hedman and Kevin Shattenkirk with Tyler Johnson, Pat Maroon, and Yanni Gord. And with about 20, 25 seconds left to go in the power play, they started to generate some zone time, some chances, got some shots toward goal, and that kind of really swung things, and the lighting took off in the rest of the period there. Didn't score. Now here's the one thing I'll say about the power plays, and I know this is a question, 
that I have. So I'll just go ahead and address it here since we're on it because it's from Chris Wright. What's the deal with the Lightning not getting power play chances? Is their style of play or do the officials just hate us? Well, the officials don't hate the Lightning. Let's throw that out the window. That's not the case. Uh, it, it is odd, though, as I mentioned, when a team has the puck as much as they do and not to have power play opportunities, they have played now six games in this return-to-play format. They've had 12 power play opportunities, which is by far the fewest of any of the teams, even the ones that were eliminated, by far the fewest number of power play opportunities um, for any team here. And if you want to add in the overtime game, my math is really bad and I didn't write it down, so we're just going to kind of throw this off the top of my head. 9, 12, 15, about 23 periods of hockey the Lightning have played, and they've had 12 power play opportunities. It's not many when you watch a Washington Capitals team get seven power play opportunities in a game. Uh, that's got to be a little maddening, Chris. I wish I had a really good answer for you on that one. I, I don't have one. Um, the Lightning, again, drew the fifth most power play opportunities during the regular season. And again, when a team has the puck as much as Tampa Bay has had it in this series, you tend to think that you're going to get some calls. They're not coming, but they just got to keep at it and just keep playing their game again. Go back to Julian Breezebois, embrace the suck and dance in the rain, which basically means control what you can control. So that's kind of their attitude here uh, when it comes to it. So um, that's the situation with the power plays. All right, uh, we'll get to a couple more questions here in a second. Um, just looking ahead to game four, which again is Monday at 3 p.m. It's an opportunity for Tampa Bay to really seize control of the series, grab a 3-1 lead. I think if they get that 3-1 lead, uh, with John Tortorella even mentioning that his team, he felt his team hit a wall, that it'll be difficult for them to even think about climbing a mountain of coming down 3-1 in the series. It, it can be done, but again, the Blue Jackets have played a ton of hockey for a team, well, for a league that hadn't played in five months, to come back and do that. So... Um, I think that's a really big opportunity. Uh, I, I think you're going to see the same lineup. I don't see any reason to change, uh, barring any injuries, knocking on wood, um, where they're at with that. I don't see a reason to make any changes going into the lineup. I think what you have to be ready for, I think Columbus is going to want to come out and try and establish themselves physically again. It's part of their game. It's part of their DNA. It's part of who they are. And it didn't happen tonight. Usually when a team is chasing. They usually end up getting more hits in the hit column. Columbus only registered 19 tonight compared to 35 for Tampa Bay. So that kind of gives you an idea too. So that's why I think if you can jump on Columbus, if you can extend a lead on Monday, you might have an opportunity to really seize control of the series. Uh, and not that Columbus is going to stop because they won't do it. Um, but I think you could really put yourself in a position to take advantage of a tired hockey team. Uh, all right, questions. Uh, we got to Chris's uh, about the power plays. Uh, I have one here from um, from uh, JN6500. Thoughts on the overall execution of the Lightning all game. Um, if that's today, I, I mean, surgical in a lot of ways comes to mind. Uh, clinical comes to mind, especially the third period in protecting that lead. Um, and, and not letting Columbus even sniff the opportunity to come back. You know, look, we talked about the breakdowns, right? They had a couple of breakdowns where the odd man opportunities were there for Columbus early in the game. 
but they didn't take advantage of them except for the one by Riley Nash, and the Lightning didn't give them an opportunity. So I thought this was a clinical way in to close out a game and to not give a team a sniff. Never had the puck much in the offensive, uh, in the offensive zone. I think that's a credit to uh, how the Lightning approached this game. Uh, there's one who calls himself uh, Bolts Reports. Uh, wanted it for John Cooper, but uh, what are your thoughts on how Carter Verhage played tonight and how does, much relief does that provide to the coaching staff knowing they have NHL-caliber players on the bench that can slot in and thrive any night? John Cooper was asked that question. He didn't really want to answer it. All he said was he thought Carter played great and, and he didn't expand on it. And you know These media sessions that we've had, I'm sure plenty of you have seen them on TV, we get one question. We don't get a follow-up. Our our microphones are muted, so we don't get a chance to, to jump back in. We have to be called upon. and So there's no opportunity to kind of follow up on that. Um, but I'll address this, uh, talking about having guys on the bench that you can slot in. That's the depth that this team has. And Carter Verhage could probably start uh, in some sort of a role for a lot of teams. Didn't get the opportunity here. And uh, that's how deep they are with their forward group. That is the strength of their team. I mean, think about it. Yeah, you have Stamkos and you have Kucherov and you have Point. That's your your top-heavy offense, right? Those are your 40-goal scorers. Not this year, but they're 40-goal scorers. You have a Yanni Gord, who's a two-time 20-goal scorer. You have Tyler Johnson, who's a, I believe, a three-time goal scorer. Alex Kalorn hit the 20-goal mark this year. Andre Pallott is a 20-goal scorer. I know Blake Coleman hasn't scored any yet, but he's a 20-goal scorer. I mean, you have guys that can really score some goals on this team uh, to give you that offensive burst, that offensive push, and that's a strength of theirs. So so I can't answer for John Cooper on on why they put Carter Verhage in other than the mistake that Mitchell Stevens made. Uh, but again, when you have, that's a luxury to have, that you can fit in a guy like that um, into, into a playoff game, his first career playoff game, and he makes a play like that that ends up being the difference in the game. From Jeremy Leva, uh, what are your thoughts on Mikhail Sergachev being on the first power play unit instead of Victor Hedman? Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, Victor Hedman, of course, was on that top power play unit really for the past few years, manning the, uh, manning the point back there, uh, including most of the season. Now towards the tail end when Victor was kind of banged up a little bit, he missed a couple of games right before the pause. Uh, it was Mikhail Sergachev that they've elevated to that role. Uh, Sergachev, of course, has a terrific shot. He's got a really good wrist shot that he can get through. Um, he's gotten better at getting his shots through this year as opposed to last year. Uh, I don't think we've seen that as much in this uh, playoffs with him, especially in this series, because Columbus does block a ton of them. Um, so is it that, uh, you know, because I, you know, the first goal that Columbus scored in game two was because Kevin Shattenkirk and Victor Hedman, who haven't played much together this year, are now the two defensemen on the power play. And it was some of their miscommunication that kind of led to that first Columbus goal. So uh, look, I, I think Sergachev is more than capable of handling a top power play unit. Um, I think him and Nikita Kucherov can work well together. Um, but I like Victor Hedman there because he's comfortable with that. Um, but again, they haven't been getting many opportunities to work on it. So um, I, I assume that they're not going to make any changes 
uh, anytime soon. Um, from Mark, uh, at Handers Mark, uh, this has been a dominant win on the ice. Do you feel that it was a different game plan from games one and two? Was it just better execution of the same idea? Uh, thanks for the podcast. Um, it, it's definitely not a different game plan um, because if you look at the way they've played, you know, just go back to game one. And you got plenty of looks at it because they played seven and a half periods of hockey. Um, they control the puck. They didn't make mistakes. They they play they play patient, and that's kind of the same approach. And they kind of got away from that patience in game two for that ten minute stretch as I talked about. But other than that, I think that they've gone out and done exactly what they want to do this entire series. I mean, the shot volume attempts, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know it's a huge disparity in favor of Tampa Bay. And we talked about tonight, 74-34. Game one in the uh, five-overtime game was 187-111. to And I and I off the top of my head, it was somewhere around 69-42 to or somewhere in that range in game two. So they've done a lot of what they wanted to do tonight. They found ways to get three goals. Uh, they couldn't get those goals in Game 2, despite the chances they had. Um, and they played patient tonight. They gave up a couple of odd man rushes that kind of make you go, hmm. But um, they didn't give up a ton, and it didn't come back to burn them as it did in the second game. So I think their their game plan has is, is been there, and it's it's executed almost perfectly uh, in a lot of ways. So, um, But yeah, this was as dominant a playoff game as you're going to see. Uh, the last one, uh, timetable on Stamkos. Um, you, you want to hear about Stamkos, you want to read about Stamkos, I'm not going to share it here on the podcast. If you want to go to my website, I have something up actually from Game 2. There's a little nugget there of information that I have on Steven Stamkos and when he might be available. Um, so if you want to go there, uh, you can look it up. Again, it's from the game story from uh, Thursday's game, uh, Game 2, so look for it there. All right, that's going to wrap up uh, this episode three of the podcast. We will be back again with a wrap-up of game four, so on Monday. So look for that to drop Monday night, barring, of course, you know, a five-overtime game or something silly like that. So, uh, again, thanks for everything. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Hit like. Hit the five-star reviews. Let's get this thing going. I really hope you guys enjoy it. I love the interaction. Uh, Make sure you're sending me questions after games. We'll definitely answer as many as we can here uh, on the podcast. And as a reminder, game four is again on Monday at 3 p.m. We'll have another podcast for you after that. All right, thanks, everybody, as always, for listening. We'll be back with you on Monday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.